Welcome back to the Recalibrate Podcast. I'm JC. And I'm Sasha. Join us each week as we have honest conversations to normalize the human experience and help you feel less alone. Yeah, you, that's right. It's a rough world out there. <laughs> we share different ways to connect with yourself and interview heart-forward guests to expand your belief of what's possible. We're the best friends you didn't know you needed. And we love you just the way you are. Without further ado, let's laugh, cry, ruminate, and explore all of the things that you think about but haven't heard said out loud. Let's get into it. All right. Hi, hello. Welcome back to the Recalibrate podcast. I am so excited about today's conversation. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing Clinton Hall. And Clinton and I had the pleasure of meeting on the Awakened. We had the pleasure of meeting during our breathwork facilitator training that was guided and facilitated by Ben Holt. So this facilitator training was essentially teaching us all about the breath. If you are curious more about it, check out JC and my episode on breathwork. It's a few weeks back. But I'm so excited to be speaking to you today, Clinton, because you are the founder of Almar Organics, which is a grocery store and so much more than that. It's really an ecosystem in which people can not only know where their food is coming from, from the land, but it's also a company that gives it back to the land around it. So it's both community-driven and nature-driven and purpose-driven and such a beautiful ecosystem and a way to connect with the world around you. And I think that as New Yorkers, that's something that we're kind of more typically a little bit further removed from. We are in a busy city. There's a ton going on. And we don't necessarily have that opportunity to just be in nature and work with the land and truly understand where the food is coming from, what goes into creating food and sustaining our body, sustaining the world and sustaining our communities with the lifeblood that is nature and just the beauty of that community. And so I'm so excited to speak to you, not only to get your perspective on what it's like being in a completely different environment, but also connecting with yourself from that completely different perspective as well. So without further ado, I would love love to introduce you. Clinton, do you want to say hi? Yeah, absolutely. Good morning, Sasha. Good morning, JC. Or good afternoon for you guys. It is an extreme privilege and honor to hold space with you too. As you mentioned, Sasha, it was a, a beautiful experience, I think, learning to facilitate breathwork through Ben's course, something I'm very grateful for. And I did mention to Ben, who, who was our guide and our teacher, that the biggest gift out of the whole course and the whole journey was the community that he's created. And for me now to be a part of that community, at a global scale and connect with people like yourself is a real gift. And yeah, I'm extremely grateful for Ben and his service and the opportunities that he's created. And now obviously the opportunity for myself to connect with you guys and your tribe in New York or wherever they are following you again around the globe. It's, it's really exciting. And the intro was, you, you know, it's Sasha. I don't really need to say much more, to be honest. Absolutely. So tell us about your journey first. What brought you to where you are today? There is always a story. I am, am at a space now in my life where I'm fully understanding that I'm the writer of this story. You know, I'm the hero of this story and it has taken me a little while to get there, but here I am creating my own reality and creating and building this space where I get to connect humans to nature, to real food, to, to themselves as well. I think the breath has really opened another avenue for me to be able to facilitate and connect community and get humans to connect to themselves and then slowly build those layer out as they build deeper relationships with their community, with their families, with their partners, and with nature and the soil and their environment and their ecosystem and so on and so forth. So my story, I'll tap into who I am and where I am right now in my life. I'm 41 years old. I'm married to a beautiful wife who's a wonderful support. 
and I have two gorgeous children, four and seven, two beautiful girls. And I think becoming a parent, becoming a father really instigated a lot of my shift in my, more of my behaviors. I kind of knew where I wanted to go and what my interests and my passions were. But I think for a male and for, for a father, that was really the tipping point. I was like, okay, I really need to show up in the world the way that I say I am, as opposed to, you know, be a part-time health professional or health wellness warrior, as I was claiming to be. So that was a tipping point for myself. So we started the business, the original Almar Organics business seven years ago. And in the initial stage, it was a very small organic groceries box service. Fundamentally, we, we packed fruit and veggie boxes and delivered them to our community, very, very small, and it's grown into what it is now. So now we own the independent grocery store. We did have an online business that's shifted now, again, going back to our values. It's really community-based. We did have a vision a few years ago of growing the business, building franchises, systemizing everything and trying to repeat it over and over again. But we soon realized that, you know, the essence of our business is an extension of ourselves. It's all about connection, connecting people to the source of their food and connecting them to each other and really helping to build those foundations of good health around food. Again, my deeper understanding of wellness has expanded beyond that a lot into the spirit and into the breath and into movement. And, you know, it goes deeper and deeper in that. And we can tap on that, touch on that a little bit later. But the business was originally built around food and bringing people together. And now the farm, again, is an extension of that. And the farm is, is a living embodiment of my personal evolution. You know, there I am slow. I'm true to myself. I'm growing food. And I mentioned to you the other day, Sasha, it feels like the most right, if that's the right word. It feels so true. It feels like when I'm there growing and building and with my hands and feet in the dirt, nothing feels more aligned, I think, with the universe and divinity and myself and what I should be doing. So looking forward into the future, it doesn't matter what I do, I cannot fail. There we go. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. I was going to say, we can just end it there. <laughs> that was beautiful. And I love how you said, no matter what you do, you can't fail because it feels very aligned to the space and what you're in. How did it feel when you weren't aligned? Like going back to before you, you know, this personal embodiment of how this arm is evolving for you. Let's walk back. What, yeah. what were those feelings like in your experience when you were living a life or doing a job? that wasn't feeling aligned and how did you, what was that catalyst moment to kind of get to where you are right now? Yeah. Well, again, it's an ongoing process, JC, for sure. Not every day is easy and not every day feels aligned, but I think I tapped on it just then that point is that it feels hard. It feels like a struggle. You know, your energy is low. There's no flow. You're not guided. It, it feels like God or the universe is pulling you in one direction and you're going in the other direction. And I think, you know, the, the simplest form in that is like, why is it so hard? Why do we need to battle? Why, did, why, does, why do I not have the energy to get up and do the things that I want to do today? But for myself, that, that self-awareness journey and self-discovery journey has really helped me tap into my intuitive self. And it's really helped me grow as a business person. And I've been able to let go of a lot and not try and control or micromanage my team or even using nature as a teacher. And being an organic farmer, I can't go out there and tell nature what to do. She tells me what to do. She <laughs> sings the song of the seasons. And when it's time to plant, it's time to plant. When it's time to harvest, it's time to harvest. I can't go off a spreadsheet. I, I try to as much as possible and use that to measure and help me move in the right direction. But I think again, yeah, upon self-reflection, it feels really hard, you know, and 
ultimately I can only do so much. I can do what I can do. I can control what I can control from a business perspective and a life perspective. When you're going down the path, there's, there's lessons in the struggle, but you need to work through that. You need to go through the struggle to find out exactly where you want to be and where you need to be. And I don't have any clear moments in time or defining moments in time, JC, but it was, yeah, when you, when you're barking up the wrong tree, it seems like you're barking for no reason. It's just a lot harder than it needs to be. But right now, everything just seems to be good. It's nice. It's really nice. I love that so much. I was working on a project the other day that I found that flow state where I was just going, going, going and putting the slides together and doing the research and feeling excited about it. I'm like, wow, this is what it's like when you actually care about what you're doing. It's a very different energy. But I really want to call attention to what you said in regards to nature tells you what to do. You don't tell nature what to do. And it's taught you lessons about patience and about trust. And I think that this, what's interesting to me about it is that a lot of us are offered opportunities to learn that, but it's usually through other people rather than through nature. So we're taught to be patient with other people. We're taught to be resilient. We're taught to be understanding. But it's harder because we we tend to want to force people to change or force people to be a certain way to fit our expected life views. But with nature, yep. you can't force it to be that a certain way. So how have you cultivated that relationship with nature? Has that always been something that's been innate to you? Or how has it been a relationship that's evolved and in turn help you come back to self? It's certainly evolved, Sasha, and, and it will continue to evolve because, again, nature is is the most dynamic of things. You know, like one day is never exactly the same as the next. You know, like you're looking at exposomal multitudinal factors that influence every single little thing when you zoom right out. So it's it's never the same. I haven't rushed there and it comes to me again in moments in time like you just mentioned. I think I was walking through the paddock the other day and we have a little erosion on one of the creek banks and I'm like, okay, am I working in the right area? And I'm, I'm over here digging a hole, trying to plant some food, but over here, the land is telling me that there's erosion here for a reason. What am I doing? And that was kind of a, a moment in time where I stopped and I go, hang on, am I doing the things because I want to do them or am I doing the things because I'm saying them? saying that I'm doing them as opposed to there's a message here. I need to stop. I need to look at this. If I'm going to be a true custodian of the land and, and say what I'm saying and live by these values, I need to go and take care of this and look after the land the way that she's telling me to look after it. It's such a good question, Sasha, but yeah, it's ongoing all the time, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think I, me personally, I can get stuck in the, the process of doing all the time because I'm like, today I've got eight hours on the farm. I need to get A, B, C and D done before my wife and kids come home and Fill my heart and life with joy, but stop me from doing the things that I need to do. So I do need to pause and I do during the day, again, I try and tap into that breath and I do sit still and I do admire where I am and I listen to the birds and it, and it helps me, but I do quite easily get stuck in the grind, even though I am in this beautiful space where I'm growing food for my community and for my family, I can quite easily get caught up in the things and doing of the things as opposed to just being extremely grateful for the opportunity that I have to connect with soil, to connect with nature and, and literally follow my light. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit more about what your day-to-day -day looks like, a little bit more about what Alma Organics does in terms of being of service to the community, yet also being a steward of the earth? We'd love to hear a little bit more. I'd love to. I'd love to. So even a full circle, Sasha and JC, my initial passion was health and fitness and 
I still love to train. I, I love to feel good. I love to look good. Unfortunately, I can't shake that from my ego, but I initially fell into this space through health and fitness, and then my health and fitness space evolved into health and wellness, and now just purely wellness. And movement is a big part of that. But the evolution of my wellness journey was through food initially, and then again, talking about those other pillars of good health, that has literally been what Alma Organics has embodied, and it has created. So we have only last week, for example, I had a school group out on the farm. So I had 30 kindergarten kids out on the farm. And I run a program for them called Connecting Them to the Source of Their Food. So we literally run through the whole process of seed raising, seed propagating, transplanting, harvesting, and the role of the animals on the farm from building our compost to bees and the beehives and the honey and the symbiotic relationships that we develop on the farm. And that is that just lights me up. I have, you know, maybe not all the 30 of the kids, but I would have had, you know, maybe two thirds which were engaged, which was super, super cool. The other third don't necessarily like being outside and they Again, I don't think that's their fault. I think given the opportunity for them to be outside and be kids, they would really embrace those opportunities. But again, the world that we live in doesn't necessarily facilitate the ideal growth of little humans. And that's okay. I can only do what I can do. But yeah, so we we do run workshops. That's an example. We also did a session on the weekend where we did a pick your own produce and pickling and fermenting workshop, which was heaps of fun. We had 12 beautiful ladies out on the farm where we walked through the farm and we explained our processes and we picked the produce and then we got together and we, we broke bread together, we made food and then we went home with our hearts and our cups full. These are avenues of us to be able to connect to our community, to continue to educate. Um, that's a big thing as well because ultimately I know what I know and I assume that everyone else knows what I know, but I think at the end of the day they don't only know what they know. So my mission is to, again, enhance people's life through health and through wellness and Almar Organics is a grocery store but it's a point of connection and we have an incredible team of humans that help educate help connect people they have wonderful knowledge over so many different aspects of the store and of food and of wellness and of health and i'm extremely grateful for the team that we have because again they can help every single customer and every single member of our community thrive and overarching to how we operate and how we show up in the world is our business mission which is to help people on the planet thrive. So what that means for me is how do I support people in that space? How do I get people to thrive? I need to help them understand that it's more than just eating organic food. It's about understanding where your food comes from, making conscious decisions around your consumption, connecting community, being mindful of how you operate and how you show up in the world. Thank you for sharing. That is so beautiful. I love how you spoke to like little humans and really <laughs> having like, I just see little, I see little humans connecting with the earth and like understanding where the food comes from. It goes so much beyond all the processed food that we're taught to ingest. And it reminds me so much of a lot of the health issues and the changes in our body structure and shape of our mouths even based on the stuff that we're eating, the softer processed stuff versus having this connection to the earth, understanding where the food comes from, understanding what it takes to grow each little bit and things. So I love that that's a core part of your offering is not only this independently owned grocery store, but also a community space where you help people come together and understand and connect with nature. So not only are you connecting, but you're also sharing that gift and being a service. And I think that that is so, so beautiful. I know that we've been kind of talking about this a little bit here and there, but really present it to our listeners. What does it mean to you to be human to the fullest? 
it is a very loaded question, Sasha and JC, but I know it's paramount to what Recalibrate is all about and what you guys are trying to build. For me, it is, again, living every day to the max. And I don't mean going bungee jumping every day, but I literally mean just having a life of purpose. It's about waking up every day with the energy to connect to people because without a community, without people, what's the point in having a heart full of love if you you have no one to share it with? So for me, it is literally sharing that love and that energy with as many people as I can and touching as many people as I can, helping inspire people to live better lives and being of value to your community. For me, it's broken down into a series of mini goals to be the very best version of myself. And at the very basic level, I just want to inspire people to do the same. And if I can help anybody in that space, particularly locally, you know, if I can actually meet with people and have a coffee with people and get them out on the farm or have have deep conversation here in the store about their journey and how I can potentially be of service and help them, then that brings me a lot of joy. So, you know, being able to live a life full of joy, full of love, full of connection, full of purpose and wake up every day making the very most of it because ultimately in the end, you only get one shot at it. So why not best that you can? I love that. And I can see just by the way you talk about the farm and the way that you explain it, how embodied you feel in describing it. So I can feel it all the way from here. What are those mini goals that you were referring to that you kind of focus on to be the best version of yourself? Oh, you guys touched on it in a podcast the other day. You're talking about goals versus values. So the old me, and again, I think we touched on it, was very goal-driven and, you know, it was, it was smart-focused and it was like timelines and breaking these down. And I still have the goals, but fundamentally I have an overarching goal, which, which is that to be the very best version of myself. Um, and that's how I show up independently. And, and the reason behind that is because I just want to be a good leader and a good teacher to my family and to my kids. And if I can show up every single day, being the very best version of myself, again, the rest comes easily. But it's through practice, it's through discipline. And I know that you guys have touched on this. Again, being kind to myself, I know that I can't get up at 4.30 every morning, you know, do breath work for half an hour and then meditate and then write down my intentions for the day and visualise how everything's going to feel. I do try. And sometimes those moments in time are very condensed. But it's a journey, JC, you know, like five years ago, I would not touch gluten. I wouldn't even be in the same room as someone who talked about wheat, you know what I mean? Whereas now I can eat sourdough bread and I'm okay with that. And I think that that's the progression and the evolution. And this is, for me, it's a lifetime pursuit. My long-term vision is to be in, in the field, in my girt, with, you know, generations of grandchildren running around the farm growing food and, you know, getting dirty and throwing sticks and stones at each other and sorting out their dilemmas and I'm just sitting there with a long beard meditating. (laughs) I don't know if my wife shares the same vision, but anyway, if (laughs) she'll still be there, she'll be fine. So, yeah, it's just breaking up, you know, having that overarching goal which drives me every day to be the best version of myself and then breaking them down into, into steps and behaviours and habits, you know, and it's still trying to fit in all of those parts that, that make my soul vibrate and at a high level and make me feel good and then being able to share that with my kids, my wife and my business and my community. 
And what I'm hearing too is it seems like your journey went from a place of more discipline and more rigidity into greater acceptance. So it's not necessarily about perfection of like never eat the gluten, never eat the sourdough. It's more like creating space for yourself to be as you are and accept all sides of yourself rather than suppressing them or rather than telling yourself you did a bad job or you had no sourdough bread. So I love that it it sounds like your journey's also involved greater acceptance and greater unconditionality with yourself. And one thing that I know we've spoken about, but is that you've been meditating for six or seven years and breathwork is now part of your repertoire as well. But I think that a lot of people, when they first get into meditation, they don't see the impacts and then they kind of like toss it out the window. But with someone who's had such a steady practice of of meditation, I'm kind of curious about impacts of long-term meditation from your perspective. What are the changes you've seen in your life? Oh, profound, Sasha, no doubt. And again, we, we as humans, we want everything and we want it now. And this is a, you know, it's a product of the world that we live in, unfortunately. And, you know, if you tell someone in their 20s to be patient because by the time you're 30, you'll know more and you'll be better. And by the time you're 40, you'll be even better and you'll be even, hopefully, if you follow the practice and be patient and be kind to yourself, everything will work out. So for me, again, I was the same. I was like, because I was reading, part of part of my development has been personal development, you know, and as soon as podcasts come on, I'm like, cool, I get to listen to amazing people all the time and learn from these people all the time. So again, there was a moment in time where I, I'm not listening to music. If I'm in the car or if I'm driving or if I've got my earphones in, I'm listening to someone who's going to fill my head up with useless knowledge and be the very best expert on whatever topic I want to be on so I can slam people at the dinner table. And then that evolved again to just finding people that I resonate. And now, you know, occasionally I'm listening to No Till Market Gunning stuff or I'm listening to music again because music is beautiful. So being patient around that, but being patient through the practice of, of meditation. So I started really small. I started just with like, you know, three to five minutes, just creating space and really trying to separate noise, body, the voice, quiet, the inner voice, small practices, like I said, five minutes. Now the sweet spot's like 20 to 30 minutes. Sometimes it takes that long to really find my group sometimes not even again again I'm a lot more connected with the breath through our facilitation training and again I I know you would have heard it a hundred times a thousand times it's like oh it just doesn't work for me like you just said or I'm too busy to meditate you know and and again it doesn't always resonate with people but I think it's that patience through practice that gets you to where you want to go and again for me with the personality that I have I, I found myself craving a deeper experience. And again, as you just said, I now have the capacity to let that go and trust that whatever my experience will be in that moment will be. And it's exactly what I need at that moment in time. But, you know, when you do find yourself praying, you're like, oh, I just want to be Zen. Oh, I just want to get to this space faster and harder. And I want the, I want to feel everything. It doesn't work like that. And again, once we can separate this from this and then tap into this, it's, it's a skill and it just takes time takes lots of time and lots of practice and sometimes the the voice in the head is too incessant and too loud that it doesn't still and other times like I said you can just take one of those beautiful foundational breaths and you're there straight away and you can feel every single aspect of your body and you feel incredibly still and you can reduce your heart rate and that's where the benefits are and and again too uh, I don't think anyone's done a meditation course and said, listen here, you're going to have to do this every single day for the next 10 years. And then in 10 years time, you might be able to get what you want to get out of it. Everyone would give up. So 
yeah, it's just wonderful. It's just a wonderful journey because, again, I put it into practice. It, it, it has built self-awareness, particularly around rising or slowing or lowering emotions, where I feel, how I feel in that moment in time, but the ability to start my day clear and fresh and with stillness really just puts me on the trajectory for a super day and makes sure that I show up when I get home to my children or when I wake up to my children that I can be the best version of myself for them. I know you kind of mentioned that you were in the health and wellness space and you were really interested by all of this types of content and different studying different modalities and things like that. And that's kind of evolved to where you are now. Were you always interested in that, like even as a kid growing up? And how was your journey leading up to that? So it's an awesome question, JC. The answer would be reflecting and looking back, I would say no. I grew up in a religious home so I think the spirit was forced upon me you know so a big part of my latter teen years and and early 20s was to to push back against that so then I find solace (laughs) in spirit again now but in a different version you know so maybe it was always there but because of my circumstances I didn't want to accept it because it didn't feel right it felt forced and right now it just feels right. It doesn't feel forced because I've came here through my own volition and my journey is my journey and where I am right now is where I'm meant to be. And it's, you know, connecting with you girls on the other side of the world and hopefully sharing a conversation that someone resonates with, you know, that's that's it. But certainly not, but right now it's everything. I know creation is is an important part of your connection to source and spirit and your connection to the world around you. So can you tell us what creation looks like for you? Yeah, absolutely, Sasha. Once once we can work through those stages, which we just spoke about, JC, and once we develop that level of self-awareness and, and we're looking into ourselves and what's really true to us, we find creativity. You know, again, 2023, the majority of us have been conditioned to be pure consumers. There's no participation. There's no creation. It's just here you are, here's your number, carry on, and that's about it. But once we develop a deeper understanding of ourself and our purpose, we realize that we we are not here to consume. We are here to create. We are here to build things of mm. value. We are here to be of service, and we are here to do wonderful things. And I think we talked about flow before. It's not always where we can access flow state, you know, whatever brings us joy, we can find these moments in time, but it is so rewarding to build something. And, you know, you talked about projects earlier, Sasha, that light you up. When you find those projects, you know, there's no blocks there. Everything's easy. Well, it's not necessarily always easy. You still need to work hard. (laughs) You still need to do the work, but to be able to build something of value that not only resonates with you and makes you feel good, but makes others feel good is truly, truly rewarding. I think you guys may have mentioned like painting in the park or writing a story, even doing a quality post. And again, we don't measure that post on how many likes and comments we get. We measure that post on how it makes me feel when we put it out into the world and then we can cut it off and forget that we ever put it out there. But it's about creating something. So for me right now, it is creating a business and that business evolving and me being able to shape and it's like a it's like a sculpture, being able to continually to shape or add or take away from that that business. It's been incredibly rewarding, incredibly fun. It's kept me focused, it's kept me out of trouble, gives me something to do, time. But now it's building a space on the farm. So we have this magnificent market garden, which is 
truly just an amazing space to grow food and to spend time in and to get community out to the farm. And right now I'm building a, for want of a better term, a retreat and connection space Mm. on the farm. And so, and I didn't mention it earlier, but I do have a construction background. So before I started my own business, I was working on the tools for businesses around the country, building many things. So for me to come home and to be able to physically create things is really special. And right now that's my focus. And again, it's, there's a part of me that wants it for me. I'm like, this is what I want and everyone else will want it as well. Time will tell, it will evolve. But for right now, it seems to be resonating with our community. It seems like the right thing, particularly post our training, Sasha. I really want to build a space outside where people connect to themselves and can really experience nature as I do, because not everyone has that opportunity. So again, it's a gift that I can give to my community and hopefully they can experience it as deeply as I do. So many nuggets there. Yeah, I was going to say, I love the piece that you talked about creation versus consumption. And I think it ties back to what you said earlier too, of you used to consume all of these podcasts and consume all of these information to be the the expert or the master to be able to go tell other people. And you've kind of shifted into this creation mindset and no longer needing to consume to that extent. Like you can just exist and create and be in your embodied flow state. You can listen to music again and you can do these things. I've recently had this experience too, where I I was reading all of these, you know, self-help books and educational books and psychology books. And I just wanted to know all of the information so that I could, you know, share and educate and speak. And I love to read. And I hadn't read like a fiction book in months. And I was like, what am I doing? I love reading fiction. Like this is like a part of me that I just find joy in for no other purpose rather than just to exist in the world. And it sounds like you're kind of on that same realization too, which is really cool. Absolutely. And um, it's funny that you say with the reading, JC, I did a little share on Instagram on the book that I just finished. I just love reading. And it was the same. It was like personal development book after personal development book and growth, 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 growth. And don't get me wrong, growth is a big pillar of my my health and my journey. And I want to continue to grow till the end of days. Again, if I'm not learning, then I'm dying slowly, slowly, slowly. So I need to continue to learn and continue to inspire myself so I can continue to create and be a better human and be of service. But yeah, my last book was a fiction book and I loved it. What was it? Oh, well, it was called The Pilgrimage, Paolo Coelho. Fiction, mm. non-fiction, there might be an element of truth to the book. I'll have to look uh, it up. It's, been, it's great. It's really good. He wrote The Alchemist. You may have heard of The Alchemist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Another thing that I heard there that I really loved was that you touched on construction, your construction background, and that being a vital component of building the reality in which you, which you envision today. And I think so oftentimes that people, when they go through their career journeys and they're just starting out and they spend, you know, three years in digital marketing or three years (laughs) in product management and they're like, what a waste of time. I'm not doing my purpose. Oh my gosh, how do I run out of here as fast as I can? But in truth, it actually all comes together in this miraculous way where that construction background was not a failure. It's actually enabling you with all the skills you need to create this next leg of your journey to create this space for people to come connect. And I I think you sent a video of the land into our facilitators group chat. And boy, does that look beautiful. I was like, I need a ticket out to Australia to take a visit. (laughs) So one, just celebrating the fact that there are no failures and every single 
thing that you do, every single journey that you go on is all going to come together in this unique lens of what you want to offer to the world. But also, I really loved that you touched on the feeling of posting. So how does it feel to release this into the world? Not what external metrics am I being measured by? So not how many likes or how many followers, but what does it feel like to send this out? And I think that that's such a great invitation for everyone to consider when they're doing things or when they're posting or sharing or whatever pursuits they may be doing, projects they're working on, can they tap into the feeling and choose to be doing something because it's who they choose to be, not because of the outcome they want out of it. When you find that being part of yourself, the outcome comes naturally. So just a few nuggets here and there. And the last thing I wanted to kind of bridge into is you mentioned breathwork and you mentioned this retreat outdoor space. How can we use breath or how have you used breath to more deeply connect with nature and with yourself? So the breath is the simplest tool and the easiest way for us to access our self, our true self and presence. It's that straightforward. It takes practice again. And there are wonderful people like yourself, Sasha, and, and myself and you know plenty of others that are learning and then sharing their skills and knowledge and passion with the world. But it is just as simple as that foundational breath, which we practice right at the beginning to tap into yourself. And what I do is, again, when I'm outside and, and you guys have the opportunity, I know when you're walking to work or if you're at the park, I take my shoes off and I feel the ground beneath my feet. I close my eyes and I feel the air on my skin. I feel the sun on my face and I breathe through my feet. So I visualize breathing through my feet and immediately I'm connected, immediately I'm grounded. I'm pretty blessed as well because I can close my eyes and at any moment in time, I think I mentioned to you, daytime or nighttime, there is noise. So my white noise is the sound of birds or frogs or crickets. But again, there are opportunities there, are pre-recorded opportunities to, you know, listen to nature as well. But it's such an easy and simple method for me to connect into the present moment. And again, I'm pretty lucky that I get to spend a lot of my time in my natural state, which is outside growing and harvesting food for my community. It is my natural state. It is where I'm meant to be, as I mentioned earlier. So to tap into that breath now and be an accredited breathwork master means that I just get to experience it a lot more deeper level and I'm a lot more conscious of it every single day. I love that. And I love how you're able to like tie in all of these pieces of what makes you you into this co-creation of, you know, the breath work and farming and building a business with your family. It's so beautiful to see all of these pieces come together. Do you feel like you had this vision of what you wanted it to look like and you're building it out? Or are you kind of learning along the way what works, what doesn't work and how you can pull in different pieces of yourself into it? It's a mixture of both, JC, as, as it always should be. We can't be too rigid in our goals and our vision and our pursuit of our goals, but also too we need to be flexible and understand that you know things don't always work out the way that we want them to work out. So I have, since we've been on the farm, I've had a very clear vision of what I want the farm to look like. And then secondary to that, what does it feel like? And that is part of my mm. manifestation process is that I visualize what it looks like, close my eyes and connect with that feeling. I put myself in a future space, in a future place, connecting with those visions of me being an old man meditating by the fire or me building this incredible retreat space or me hiking through the bush with a bunch of barefooted breathwork warriors 
you know, these are all visions that I've had. So, you know, for me to, when I get to work, it's pretty easy to make sure that I put it into practice and start building what I want to build. But going back to the farm and the market garden space, so that has diverged this season. So we are almost in spring, another week to go, but we are acting like it's spring here in Australia. So I've shifted the way that we grow slightly because it's just me at the moment. I've had much help over the years, but we've had to reassess the way that we do things. Economically, it's been a little bit challenging the last three to six months, so we've had to shift. So right now, it's just me on the farm with a little bit of help, which is wonderful. I'm very grateful for the help, but I had a lot more help previously in previous seasons. So yeah, the, the seasons, the farm, and the demands have shifted, so I've had to shift the way that I do things. But all that's looked like is growing less crops, not spending so much time in crop planning. I looked at like a sequential planning, so we would always have a steady flow of produce. That's just too much for me to manage. So I'm looking at what I call hero crops now and perennials where I can grow strawberries, say for example, where I'll get repeat crops out of those and they can be in the beds for a long period of time. And again, this is the the process of growth, pardon the pun, but I've moved from a a focus on monetizing each bed to the maximum. So it's looking like fast growing crops and, you know, how much money can I generate out of each single garden bed to, okay, how much work can I give that garden bed? I want it to be covered in food. I want it to grow food and I want it to look good and I want it to feel good as well so I can bring mm. people out to the farm. So the the way that the farm is now run has shifted to let's just grow as much food as we can to let's grow good food and create a space where people want to come. So even one of the guys that I was working with, he goes, you want to build an Insta-worthy farm? And I was <laughs> like, "Like, yeah, kind of, man, but so if that makes <laughs> sense. So I, wanted, I just want a space where people can come and feel the energy and feel the love, that it's still profitable. That I, you know, I don't want it to be a drain on us as a, as a business, but it still needs to work. But it's just shifting the way that I do things and the way that we're going to reach community moving forward. Yeah, a shift from not what can you get, but what can you give? Yes, exactly right, Sasha, exactly right. Full circle, nature as a teacher is telling me every season. This is our third summer season coming up. And again, the evolution is continuing to happen. And I'm learning every single season on what we can and can't grow, what we can and can't do. So I'm not going to push the envelope in those directions which aren't working on the farm because each single environment is a completely different ecosystem with different factors that influence growth. So again, these lovely parallels that nature gives us from growing food to growing ourselves, they're always there. And I'm slowly becoming more and more in tune with them to be a better version of myself and a better farmer and a better custodian of the land. Mm. A concept I've been thinking a lot about this past year that you touched on is seasonality and how we change throughout the seasons. And I think especially here in New York, and at least for me personally, I used to live in a more forceful way where I would push myself through every little piece and like I wouldn't adapt to the seasons and I would have the same routine no matter if it was winter or if it was summer. And it created the sense of resistance for me, of force. And this past year, I've been really noticing, and I've read, um, I'm not sure if you've read Wintering by Catherine May, but I really like that book. I talked about it on the podcast. And it almost felt like a permission slip of how she interacts with the seasons, how she interacts with nature, and how her life like completely shifts during these periods of seasonality and how it created so much more ease for her. So I'm really interested since you're so closely connected with it on the farm, like how does your life change with the seasons? Obviously from a farm perspective, the crops that you're growing and the way that you're harvesting is different, but what does your life look like throughout those different periods? Yeah, it changes, JC. 
so much, so dramatic. Like our winters aren't as brutal as yours, but they're still cold, the days are short, the growth is slow, and the tasks are different as well. So in the winter, we don't water, we chop wood, things don't grow, we hardly harvest. So it's a time for rest and recovery and to, to actually be physically slower. And one thing that I think when we kicked into spring last year, I worked so hard during the winter that I was like, I need a holiday. We <laughs> haven't even started the growing season. And my wife and I were both very aware of it. So I actually think we took a holiday last spring. But this year has been one of much slower and much more intentional action. So it's been a lot more planning, a lot more indoors, still with the outdoors, but we've had a reasonably nice weather. So it hasn't been completely indoors, but it has, yeah, I haven't been really building the things. I've kind of waited to the last few weeks to start building the things, but just being intentional around that energy level as well, because mm-hmm. once spring does come, not not just from a grower's perspective, but from a from from your perspective again, like you just feel the energy. People are more energy energetic. The demands are more intense. It just shifts. It just shifts. The vibration increases all the way through to the peak of summer before it starts to turn. You know, so you guys are at the turn of it now, and things are starting to slow down, no doubt. And fingers crossed, you guys are tapped into that. But yeah, it's just something that I really, I'll be honest, I look forward to autumn every single year. As soon as the leaves start to turn and as soon as we get a frosty morning, I get really excited to just pull back the levers and just start to slow down a bit. Because again, it gives us more opportunity to be still, to reflect, to look at ourselves and where we've come and what we've achieved. Because sometimes in the peak of summer, you're just so busy. But again, understanding that that's okay. You know, the seasons demand what they demand. And in the, in the peak of summer, I'm extremely busy. You know, on Christmas Day, I'm working. Um, mm. It was, didn't go down well when I left the table. It was the reality. So I'm trying to build systems this year so I don't have to do that. But uh, yeah, we just it's just another element that on this journey of self-discovery, we become aware as, as we, we learn more and then we try and put it into practice. Mm. Yeah. Integration, I think, is the key to really transforming, like integrating the knowledge, integrating the go, 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 the thoughts, the feelings, the sensations. If we don't give ourselves that pause to integrate that which we come across in our journeys, we can't actually take it and and apply it and embody it and truly transform on this journey of, of personal growth. I have a curious question. So in terms of manifestation and really visualizing the reality that you want and then feeling into that reality, I sometimes I, I sometimes doubt myself. Like I see a vision and I feel excited about it. And then I'm like, is that like, am I crazy? <laughs> you know? So how have you turned off the crazy button and been like, no, this is the reality that I want and this is possible for me and I feel this and then brought it to, to reality? How have you in your experience, turned off the I'm crazy filter. Are you saying I'm crazy, Sasha? And my, my vision's are crazy. <laughs> no, I'm calling myself uh, crazy. Yeah, no, that's, well, you need to stop. You're not crazy. You are a powerful <laughs> manifester. Yes, the doubt always creeps in, no doubt. Am I, am I on the right path? Am I doing the right thing? What will people think about me? It, it's still there. You know, and it is always there. There are always doubters and the biggest self-doubter and the biggest criticizer of all is, the, is ourselves. So I don't know, it just awareness, you know, when you hear it creep in and you hear it, you just go, no, this is it. This is right. And again, I think going back to, does it feel right? If those feelings that you can generate during your manifestation practice feel wonderful 
and, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a minute, if they feel wonderful, then why wouldn't you pursue them? And so now the, the next step is, and I think I might have mentioned this to you the other day, all of my, not all of them, but most of my decisions and actions originally were all based around self-interest. I was selfish because I wanted to be the best version of myself. Okay, I want the best food, so I'm going to grow the best food because I want to live till I'm 120 and I still want to be able to, you know, go to the gym with my kids or I want to be able to go snowboarding when I'm 100. So it's all very selfish, but when it is aligned, then ultimately that manifestation and those decisions and actions are not only best for you, they are best for everyone and everything involved. So for me to grow the most nutrient-dense food for my own self-interest, if I'm doing it with intent to support soil health and the ecosystem and biodiversity on my farm, again, like I said, I can't fail. The universe and Mother Nature will support me in my vision and my goals and my dreams because she wants me to or it wants me to or, you know, so that full manifestation process, if it feels right and then if it is right, then it will be what it's meant to be, Sasha. You go and make it happen. You're not crazy. Thank you. I That that hit home, especially with self-doubt being the thing to come up and those self-doubts never really going away and just drawing awareness to them. Exactly. Exactly. And like you said, that, that, that meditation process, pro, yeah, that meditation process will help you be more aware of that voice and that negative voice or that questioning, critiquing voice, but it's only a noise in your head. As mm-hmm. soon as you can get that noise to be quiet then the true self comes through and you need to tap into that and and that's where the manifestation will come into play and you will create whatever you want to create no matter how crazy it is tastefully crazy (laughs) you'd be tastefully crazy over time did you feel that once you gained cognition or awareness of that doubting voice maybe in the beginning did you still listen to it and kind of shine yourself down and then over time you got better at not listening to it or would you say that once you started hearing it you're like what is this voice inside my head like how was it a Um, gradual process to start trusting your true self more certainly gradual because at the start it's very noisy you know because we're so conditioned to be small you know, we're not conditioned to fail, but then we believe we are conditioned to fail. So the self-talk is, you know, you can't do this. You're not good enough. You don't deserve this. It becomes all about worth because of, for whatever reason, we are grown up in a place where our parents look after us, but do they really give us the tools of love and this supportive and, and safe environment? And, you know, then we go to school and the same shit happens. So it's powerful, you know, that inner voice of doubt and fear is it's so powerful and in some people it's more powerful than others but again if you can work on the tools and the practice to help build your inner confidence and connect with your true self then you will be aware and can be aware that it's only noise it's only myself you know these blockages that are occurring are are unconscious and I need to be conscious of them to make sure that I can smash them down with this hammer and then start building something really cool Mm, I love that I think of the quote so often we are the ones that say no to ourselves. No one else is saying no, it's us. And if we're going to shut us down, we're not going to get anywhere. We didn't even try and put ourselves out there. So I, I hear that a lot with what you're speaking to. Yeah, It's interesting. This I feel like we haven't gone into manifestation on the podcast. So I'm, I love this. It's definitely something I've been thinking about more. And 
when you're doing your practices, is it, you talked about visualization. Are you also adding in like a writing component? Like walk us through your, your manifestation visualization process. So I am lucky that I can close my eyes and I can see things. I know some people really struggle with that. And again, that might have come with practice. And I certainly do write things down as well. So on the daily, I I fill in my journal on my phone. Usually it's just gratitude and a few intentions. But if it's around a clear visualisation and a manifestation, then I'll also write it down. And then it becomes literally what we spoke about right at the start. You know, that, that intention and vision becomes a goal. So, you know, how do you then bring it to fruition? You can't just sit in a room and close your eyes and visualize it. You actually have to go out and get it and you have to go out and build it. And you have to, you have to do certain steps and actions which are going to resonate with a certain frequency, which are going to allow the universe to let you do it. But then the rest will just happen. For me personally, it's not really complicated, Jay-Z. It's just something that I learned. It's just many, many gurus and practitioners that I've probably listened to over the space. But yeah, the more that you can repeat that vision in your head and the more that you can connect with the feeling and then try and really put in those processes and steps to make sure that it happens. But it can be something as small as literally just having a nice day, I think. You know, the intentions around having a good day and showing up and having wonderful connections with everyone that you engage with the day because, again, the demands of daily life change so much for me. Again, a lot of the time it's just about showing up for my kids, you know, like we, yeah, today, example, I don't have babysitters today, so I've got my kids today and my daughter is going to help me build my space, but also too, I need to be present with her as well. So I need to listen to her, I need to be kind to her and it hasn't happened today because you guys were my focus this morning, so when (laughs) I visualised and manifested this conversation, it was all about connection and authenticity and having a conversation around things. But yeah, I do that a lot too. A lot of it's really, really simple. It's like, okay, what vibration do I want to operate today and what are the engagements and interactions going to feel like? And they're usually just hugs and kisses and, you know, what makes me feel nice. I love that. Our brain learns from repetition. So when we're having these repetitive negative thoughts and patternings that we grew up with for years, of course that's hard to break because that's what we've learned is that patterning through that repetition over and over again. So tapping into this place of whether it's meditation or breath work or visualization, yeah, that's why people do it. And they say, oh, it doesn't work because they've done it one time. And once you do that and learn it through these patternings of repetition, that's when you can start to access these deeper feelings. So I love how you talk about how you feel when you're thinking about those visualizations because it makes it feel as though it's possible. I think that that's the piece is like allowing your body to expand its belief that something is possible for you. I always think about with visualization, that example of no one ran a four minute mile or something. And then the first person that was able to break that four minute mile, then all of a sudden all of these people could do it because they knew that it was possible. But before their their beliefs weren't expanded in that way. So I think that's at least how I view manifestation and visualization is like, truly believing that something is possible for you yep yep i think next to that too is is believing is a thought but i think with the manifestation process is not just believing it's possible but 
putting yourself into a position mm. where you've already done it, where it's already achieved. So then connecting with that feeling of I've already built this space, you know, so breaking down the barriers of the quantum time, <laughs> yeah, and moving forward in time or, you know, go up and down and then come back into this space into the future, like it's already happened, then connecting to that feeling and then coming back. And again, self-belief is something truly, truly powerful, but then deeply knowing that you've already achieved it before you have, that's what brings it to life. Yeah. Um, you can't fail because you've already done it. I was listening to a Joe Dispenza podcast the other day and he very much talks all about this and he ties it to the feelings, right? Feelings are the language of the body. Thoughts are the language of the mind. And we so often rely on our experiences to feel a certain way. But he says that when we're reliant on things external to us to feel a certain way, right, we find we cultivate a dependency on those things and those feelings can be taken away. But if you flip it, vice versa, and create that feeling within your body, generate that, then who's to say you can't create the experience as a result? And so that's what it really feels like to me. This whole manifestation discussion we're having is creating that feeling within you so that your external reality then reflects it. And I had the experience this past month. I, JC will tell you, I elevated on a whole new <laughs> wavelength of just embodying more love than I knew that I could carry. And it made me show up as a kinder person. It made me show up with more love. I was less quick-tempered with my colleagues. I was just a ball of love and light. And I did not know that it was possible to be in that state of being. Every cell in my body was just like, whoa. And Recently, I've kind of come off that wavelength, but now that I know that it's possible to cultivate that within my body, just coming from me, I'm like, oh, I totally believe in – like I, I have experienced that cultivation of a feeling. And so it's not about necessarily – getting it back, but it's more like how can I tap into my meditation practice to really recultivate or reground in that feeling and realize that it's mine to create and my reality reflects that amount of love that's within me. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We all have that capacity, <laughs> don't we? We just we need to learn to integrate it, as you said earlier, Sasha. And it comes with time and practice and patience and yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I love that also it doesn't have to be a big material thing, right? You said sometimes your visualizations come as a connection, for example, in this conversation with us or connecting with your daughter. So connection can bring that purpose and you can use your manifestation practice to visualize deepening your connection with others. It doesn't have to be this big lofty goal, whether that's purpose-driven or materials-driven. It could just be a manifestation of living in accordance with your values. And I think that's really beautiful too. And a yeah. beautiful reminder. Absolutely. Mm. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. And I know your day is just beginning and our day is starting to wind down. But is there anything else that you want to share or where people can find you and learn more? People can find me in Albury, New South Wales, Australia. Yeah, tell it. Me and Sasha are going to book a flight and come. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you guys a photo of, of the space as it evolves. There's yeah, work we're doing work this week, which is really cool. So yeah, I'm I'm literally in Albury. We have Almar Organics Albury, which is on Instagram. But again, it's it's shop based, it's connection based, and updated with events. I have a little page which I've just started. I spoke to my sister about that as well, and it is purely for me just to put myself out there it's harder than I thought it was going to be mm. I thought it was going to be really easy because now I'm like yeah 
I just I just wanted to share my daily practices with people and try and inspire someone. So I've only just started that out. That's been fun. So that's Almar Life. That's on Instagram, and that'll evolve as well. It's it's hard for me, and I'm sure you guys can resonate on how much you share, how much you don't want to share. Is it of value? I'm trying to just put that aside and just go, oh, cool, there's a there's a mushroom and take a photo of the mushroom and <laughs> share it and just be authentic. And that's the challenge, I think, putting stuff out there that you think people want to see or hear or not even worrying about that and just putting out stuff just to be creative and just to share your story. So that's kind of what I'm not battling with, but that's what I'm going through at the moment. But it, it's fun. Yeah, that's that's literally it. I think if people want to reach out, Instagram would be the best. I would love to just connect with anyone. If anyone ever wants to come to Oz and come check out the farm and come check out the store, we are in between Sydney and Melbourne, regional New South Wales. It's a beautiful spot and I'm very privileged to live where I live and I'm very grateful to do what I do and I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity to just have a conversation around mm. manifestation, <laughs> and nature and practice and self-discovery and it's been beautiful. It's just what I've needed and yeah, just thank you so much, girls. You're doing an incredible job and keep growing, keep building, keep creating, keep being of service and yeah, you guys are awesome. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you have an absolutely lovely rest of your week and we'll talk to you again next week. Send us a note on Instagram. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you.